Just because you get the offensive rebound doesn't mean you have to shoot the ball. Stanley! Oh! Cassius Stanley! Soaring! Well, Moses Wright gave him a chance. He took a bad shot. That allowed Duke to get out and go. My goodness! This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast, home of the number two team in the country, number one in your hearts, coming off of two big ACC wins against Georgia Tech on the road, against Wake Forest at home in those fresh new unis. Oh, my goodness. How, how sick are those? How sick are those unis? Oh, my God, dude. How, how they look in, in person, man? That's that's uh, the real question here is that you were in person. Your streak has been broken now. You've You've now had two Duke victories in a row that you've attended. That's Much correct. better than that's, last year's percentage. Actually, it's three. I went to the St. John's game down the oh, table last right, year, right. so okay, I was okay. able to break it. But nevertheless, I'll tell you what, those those unis looked real fresh, and we'll, we'll touch on that in just a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to have just a one topic overreaction segment this week. It's a, it's a very this interesting could be a good one, one though. I, yeah, and I think, yeah, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. And we're going to break down both the Clemson – uh, upcoming matchup. Hey, hey, Clemson Tigers, thank you very much. Appreciate well done, it. Thank you. Uh, broadcast streak at uh, UNC. Roy is well as me these days. And then we'll wrap <laughs> things up with uh, with a huge ESPN game day Saturday, 6 p.m., I believe, against Louisville. Yep. But we're going to kick things off with a little recap of what turned out to be a fantastic basketball game Absolutely. at Georgia Tech. Uh, it was kind of, you know, they punched us. We punched them. They mm-hmm. punched us at the start of the second half with hitting their first four threes. We were able to respond, and I thought we showed that we, we can win not playing our best. Uh, we showed a lot of grit, a lot of toughness. Um, you know, things weren't going well for for a lot of our guys. Vernon Carey, you know, it almost seemed like he couldn't buy a bucket. Uh, Trey Jones couldn't hit a free throw to save his life. That is a point of emphasis that I do want to touch on in this podcast. Yeah. But overall, you know, AC, we were able to find a way to win, and that, that's really all that matters. And it really is all that matters in conference play. And you've now seen it with Kansas. You've now seen it with Michigan State today. You've seen it with Duke struggling against Georgia Tech. Conference play is just a different animal. And all of these coaches are talented coaches in the ACC. They all have talented teams as bad as, you know, their records might be and everything else. Any given, any given day a team can push you to your limit and it's all about how you respond. And I felt like this team responded really well, especially Cassius and Trey down the stretch when things weren't always going exactly as we expect for this Duke team, those guys really stepped up. I mean, for instance, we only had 13 assists this game. Georgia tech did an incredible job interior defense. Primarily James Banks was just, he was out of this world, dude. He, Seven blocks, like, he, his timing was insane. Yeah, there were some over-the-back calls, definitely missed. Yeah. But it, it wasn't a game of the refs. It was, he really, his timing, I thought, was absolutely insane. And very clearly, it seemed, you know, from film study, the game plan was to pump fake this guy in the post, 
but he didn't bite on anything. And his timing was, it, it was like watching Sheldon Williams again for Duke. Was, his timing was amazing. And it was, it was, like you said, it was a fun game to watch. Like, I, I really didn't have high expectations for Georgia Tech this season. I didn't have high expectations for them in this game. And they really blew it all out of the water. Alvarado is an absolute key for them. And far be it to say, if they can find any kind of momentum out of this game in particular, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility for them to finish at least in the top eight top nine of this conference this year. I don't know if that gets you an NCAA tournament berth, but at least they're, they're going to finish in the top half of this league. If they continue to play like that, like they did against UNC, like they did against Duke, it was, it was a really good, good game to watch. Yeah. You know, we, we were watching this game and I thought it was going to be very similar to the Miami game, the way it was, the way it was trending at the end of the first half. Right. They're up, they're up big, uh, you know, eight, or I think it was their, their largest lead of that game. They're, they're doing anything they want. We kind of switched what our defense was doing at the beginning of this game. We turned it on. Trey Jones takes the shot uh, at the buzzer before halftime, and our largest lead was 12 points. And I thought that, much like the Miami game, we're just going to be off to the races and, and knock them out, and that'll be it. It'll be a nice, right. comfortable uh, evening, and I could I can go to bed early and don't have any any anxiety. Yeah, like we talked about that on text, you and I. Like, why why on earth were they double teaming this team? Down uh, like yeah, this? that made absolutely no sense to me. Um, but I have to I have to give credit where credit's due. Javon Delorie, the last three minutes of that game yeah. came up absolutely huge. Absolutely. Multiple blocks, multiple rebounds, diving on the floor, and in my opinion, he made the two biggest free throws of the game. Yep, in a night where we couldn't make free throws. Correct. Which that 11 was 11 of 21. And that's yep. something that we got to fix. You know, I, right. I'm, I'm getting frustrated, and I'm going to start with Trey Jones because he's the guy that has to lead this team. And as great as he played uh, against Wade Forest, this is multiple games in a row now where Duke is hovering around that 52 to 55% from the line. That's not mm-hmm. going to get it done. If, if we're in the tournament, ACC or NCAA, and, you know, you're playing a, you know, a tough, tough nose team, which you're going to do at some point, you can't be shooting 50%. It's going to come back yep. to bite us. You know, I, I want to kind of transition there. You know, do you think that this is something that is just going to be up and down all year long? I don't know if I'd even say up. <laughs> like, and and I, I certainly don't want to say down either. So let's let's look back. Let's look back even let's just go through December. We were 73%, 100% at Virginia Tech, 78%, 81% and then then and the past this little trend past the break was 67%, 64%, 52%, 52%. I don't know if that's a I don't know if it's because of the break why we're shooting bad. I don't know if we got into a little rhythm there and our percentages were actually pretty decent as a team in late November, early December because we had games you know, a couple of games every week. It's going to be interesting to see as the ACC slate rolls on as to how this team does shoot free throws. I, if if they roll through the ACC slate and they're shooting free throws at a 72 to 73% clip, then I don't feel so bad. But this 50% thing's got to stop. And, yeah, and, and it doesn't look good. Not- it's not a good look. And against better teams, it's really going to cost us. We Okay, bring it up. Against Stephen F. Austin, it cost us. Right. It cost us horribly one or two free throws and we win that game. So 
that's all it takes is one or two free throws. And that's that's as close as it is. We saw it last year against Michigan State. One or two free throws wins that game. So it is a problem. Free throws are a problem. It's not a cliche to bring it up. They are a problem. And with this team, it seems that the free throw woes have continued. And really, it's about who's taking them. Like, Joey's not taking them. Alex, to a degree, is not taking them. Matt's not well, taking them. Those Alex, are really I, our best I, I, have a real, I have a big problem with Alex and, and when he's on the line. He's a mm-hmm. bad free throw shooter. Yeah, I don't sure, know why. Right. Is that, that has to be all, all it's mental. A men- I mean, it's like Jason Williams back in the day. Like, how, how can you hit threes with guys draped all over you, but then you get to the, step to the line, you're a 64% career free throw shooter. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, was, it's difficult to reason. He was four or six in the game from the field, one of two from the from deep. Mm-hmm. I thought he overall, I thought he played pretty well, but then he goes to the line and misses a front of, front end, and you know, he's over one. I, I just don't get that, and and it's not me picking on him, but no, he's, no. A, he's he's a good shooter. He needs to be a guy that you can trust. Absolutely, and the game is why you're not in. Uh, and and at the end of the game, if we can't trust that, like Joey's there, and um, that's what bothers me is that the guys who, you know are going to get fouled in games. Our primary ball handlers at the end of games, Trey, maybe Alex, Jordan. right, Jordan Goldwire even, like they're not good free throw shooters. And it's that is a scary prospect because that's something that teams can exploit. And we are going to be in close games. And we can't rely on Cassius Stanley alley-oops all the time. And it's, yes, those, those, are, those are free points at the line that you have to hit. You have to. So, again, I, I'm going to hold off because it is January. We have come off of a break. What, now that they have some games coming with consistency, I want to see if that percentage increases. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But I do want to highlight that we did talk about during the Georgia Tech game, it is going to be really, really difficult to keep Jordan Goldwire off the court at this point. Absolutely. The way he's playing, the way that him and Trey are just in sync with pressuring the ball. If you're a ball yep. handler in the ACC I feel bad for you because yeah. when you play Duke, you're going to have not only Trey Jones up in your grill, you're also going to have Jordan Goldwire up in your grill. And the way he played at Georgia Tech, you were talking about it during the game, that it's going to be tough for uh, for Coach K to keep him off the court. And right. it proved correct because switching gears to Wake Forest, who's in the starting lineup AC is Jordan Goldwire. Absolutely. And much deserved Jordan Goldwire in the starting lineup and moving forward through the rest of the season, especially certain matchups. That is, that is a necessity because if we can last year, our problem was getting started in games. It seemed like last year's team could not get started early and we were either playing from behind early or had to manufacture points early or whatever else. This team on the other hand starts really well early, especially on the defensive end gets going you know, maybe the other team jumps out with, you know, three or four points ahead of us, whatever. That's not a big deal, but it's not nine, 10 points behind. Like last year we saw a lot and it, it's great. It's and it really starts on that defensive end and it really starts with the pressure that Trey and Jordan create. And it's really, Jordan is going to get left off of something like the ACC all defensive team or something else, because at the end of the season, when you forget about all the games, you just look at the box scores and he only has one or two steals in a game, which is outrageous. That's why I think college should go to the NBA rule of if you create the steal, whether you pick it up or not, it's your steal because Jordan would probably have four or five of those a game. Yeah. But, you know, he ended Georgia Tech with two steals. He ended Wake Forest with one steal. Like, but, you know, you watch that game, you know that he was responsible for probably five or six turnovers. 
And the guy is just, he's amazing. And watching him and Trey just dog together is, oh my gosh, it was, it's incredible. You know, so talking about the defense, Brandon Childress comes into that game averaging over 15 points a game. Uh, you know, he's been there. We talked, we joked about it last week that Brandon Childress has been there for 50 years. He's been there <laughs> just as long as his dad has. Right. Uh, Trey Jones and Jordan Goldwire held him scoreless on only six field goals, and he played mm-hmm. a large portion of that game. He played 27 yeah. minutes, all six, all, from, all three from three, and he had such a difficult time even getting a shot off. That he is wasn't even trying anymore after a while. It's, 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 yeah, and, and you, you notice that in the building that you're watching this guy go, and he he doesn't want anything to do with trying to take shots at this point. And it, it was it – was, if you weren't watching defense – that was I was excited to behold. It was fantastic, and and speaking of Trey Jones, he showed you who the better player was. Going in, in twenty his twenty seven minutes, ten of fifteen from the field, three of four from the line, or, uh, from from three, twenty three points, five assists, three rebounds. You know he didn't he basically didn't even play the last ten minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he he could have easily had thirty if he wanted them, but right. uh, you know it, it was probably outside of again outside of the free throw line. It was as good as Duke has played all season. And it was his performance is very reminiscent of the Georgia State matchup where he does hit 31 and plays almost the entire game. Like you said, if he played the entire game, he probably would have hit 30 easily. And it shows the difference of Trey this season versus last season. It's he he does a lot of the same things, but he does a lot of things better, especially on the offensive end this year than he did last year. And you saw it on display. I mean, he pull up threes off the off the off the break in transition. Like, what Trey Jones is that man? Like, it was it was nuts. And then again, doesn't suffer on defense. His his defense is top notch. And it was you it, you mentioned it. Like Brandon Childress, you know, I feel sorry for you, man, because first it was just it was individual defense with some switches, and then towards the second half. They just he Coach K just unleashed and just let Trey and Jordan just double team him and I was like that is rude that is just straight up rude like oh my god and then but being able to do that is key because they recognize mismatches like they recognize that Wake Forest was down Shondi Brown they don't have another ball handler Jordan can leave his man at will and off to the races we go so Trey was amazing it shows a stark difference between the Miami game when he didn't look for a shot at all. And now you see him look for a shot, and you see that he's absolutely capable. So that just the prospects down the road for that are just amazing. Yeah, he's not going to go for twenty three every night on on that type of a shooting night. But when we need a bucket, and we saw it at Georgia Tech, even just to go back to that game, he's absolutely capable. And that is awesome to have at your point guard position, and not to mention a point guard that also plays stellar defense and plays stellar saw. And oh, he can get a shot too, like. Oh my God! Like what, this dude is incredible. So, yeah, no, that was that was an amazing, amazing performance by Trey. I, I loved every bit of what I saw from him against Wake. You know, he only plays twenty-seven minutes because we don't need anything more out of him. And right. I bring that up because it's been nice having this team. Nine guys played at least fifteen minutes in this game. Mm-hmm. We don't have to have Trey playing the thirty-nine minutes. Eventually, at some point in this season. Probably against Louisville, he's going to have to play those 39, those 40 minutes. Oh yeah. But, but the luxury we do have with Jordan Goldwire is that it he can spell 
Trey by himself now, which in the past we, you know, had to kind of hold our breath and, and just hope that he doesn't screw it up. But now, I mean, he's really turned himself into to a commodity for, for this for this team. You know, some of the he other guys. Start for, what, he could start for 70% of the teams in the nation this season. He's he's done he's done a phenomenal job. I don't know if they do a most improved player, uh, but he's gonna be in the running for, for that in the conference. But you right. know who you don't start? You, you do start Jordan Goldwire. You don't start mm-hmm. Joey Baker. Joey Baker goes back nope. to the bench. Uh he comes in, seventeen minutes, four of eight from the field, three yeah. of five from the uh from three. It was great to see him get his stroke back in this game. And you know, these shots are touching nothing but the bottom of the net. Duke was going nuts. Uh, the, 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 the students were finally back. Those unis were absolutely fresh. Uh, they were so sick, <laughs> man. Awesome. Like, I couldn't even the tell you. The like, video reveal for that was the video, awesome. I mean, I was getting chills. I was, you know, goosebumps. I was ready to run through a brick wall. You know, I can only imagine how you were. Oh, it, dude, I can't. Shut up and take my money. Like, I can't wait. I can't, I can't wait to. I cannot wait to buy one of those, whether whether it's in the form of a polo, a t-shirt, or a jersey. I'm usually not a big, like, jersey wearer. I will absolutely wear one of those jerseys. The reveal was awesome, paying homage to the Brotherhood, paying homage to to the guys who came before these guys, and the players embraced it all. It's it's just an it's it's an awesome thing, and it's it speaks to what we've talked about on the podcast. Now that we've done it for two years, we, we kind of talk ad nauseum about it. No one in the country does what this team does in terms of social media, in terms of media in general. It's it's pro level and e- there are even pro teams who don't do the same thing. Like it's it's how can you not as a recruit see this and say, this is important. Like Paolo Banchero says Duke is different. They are different. What they do is different and what they do is better than everyone else in the nation. And that's why Coach K alludes to this being his best decade. It, it's no coincidence that Duke's best decade, and it absolutely is Duke's best decade, also coincides with the ability to get their own perspective out and get their own media out in, instead of relying on ESPN and some of the other news outlets who all they want to do is talk trash about the best teams in the nation, Duke included, yeah. and and create, you know paint a horrible picture sometimes to, to all these kids see as ESPN. Sometimes a, a bad picture is painted, whereas you can put your own thing out there and show these guys, hey, look, this is what we're doing for real, and you know, take it or leave it. And most of these guys at this point now are taking it. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, the brotherhood is real. It's a real thing. And mm-hmm. they do a phenomenal job. Dave Bradley, we, we drop his name all the time. Yep. You know, they do such a phenomenal job. Hey, dream guest community. on the podcast, by the way. If yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, all right, so big win for Duke, uh, 90 to 59 over Wake. Uh, Can I was, add one more yeah. thing? One more thing, one more quick thing to this. Are we seeing a somewhat resurgence of a shooting Jack White? It's been multiple games now that he is multiple. at least at one. Yeah, two or three last night. He looks very, very mm-hmm. comfortable with shooting the ball in person. Yep. Uh, you know, it, he doesn't have that hitch anymore. He's he not hesitating that anymore. He's kind of lets it go. He just lets it go. He's got a really nice, soft uh, shot. You know, he, he does everything, uh, does mm-hmm. everything well. You know, he only played seven minutes in that Georgia Tech game, but at the end of right. that game, he comes in after sitting for a huge stretch 
and yeah. comes in and buries a big time three. You know, and that's what Jack White is. I mean, I, I would play right. him more than, than that, but again, it's kind of hard to argue with the results. Again, he had 11, two and three from three against Wake. Um, it was just an all-around good Duke effort, and um, you know, I'm pretty happy with that. All right, so Duke playing really well. AC, they're 15 and one, <laughs> the number two in the country, and I started to see this, and this happens all the time. AC, are we setting? Are we that, setting it up? Is this our overreaction this segment? Is the overreaction segment. I'm setting. I'm teeing it up for wait. you. I'm teeing it up for you. You know, AC, I've, you man, I've the Jones on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Look, you know, you know. Jay Bill is, comes out and is talking about Vernon Carey leading list uh, for potential uh, National Player of the Year, ACC mm-hmm. Player of the Year. Since that Stephen F. Austin lost, Duke has obviously refocused themselves and kind of picked it, in, picked it into a higher gear. We're playing fantastic. Uh, we're hands down right now, in my opinion, and, and the same opinion of Ken Pond as we discussed last week, Duke's the number one team in the country by pretty much every measurable statistic. Yep, and they are. Uh, and so with saying that, uh, a lot of the things that I have been reading over the last week or so is that Duke this year, 2019-2020 version, is better than <laughs> the 2018-2019 version. And you see, is that an overreaction to say that this team is better than last year's, or are you going to allow it? He, so it's not it's not difficult, but in a way it's difficult. So here's here's how I'm gonna phrase this and frame it, and then we can talk from here because we kind of talked offline about this, and this is how we decided to do this segment actually, because we did we disagreed in a way, and I'm glad we did, and I enjoy this discussion a lot. So this is why we decided to bring it to the podcast. Are they better? Absolutely not. They are not a more talented team than that team that we had last year. Let's let's put it into perspective, folks. That was an overreaction. Everyone's disappointed about the finish. Everyone's mad about the guys being gone. We wish we could see Zion again. He just came out this week and said he would have he would have stayed. All these things. Like there's there's all these things that build up these emotions that are attached to that team last season. But what you saw last season was one of the most talented teams in probably in the past 30 years that you will see in college basketball. It just is regardless of how you feel about Cam Reddish and what he did in Virginia Tech game and, and the, the tournament, regardless of how you feel about R.J. Barrett, which I don't understand how anyone has ill feelings towards R.J. Barrett, but regardless of how you feel about him, regardless of how you feel about how Jack White had tr- had his struggles through the rest of the season after January, like that team was incredible. And we saw it. We saw it for one night. Unfortunately, it was in November. We saw it for one night against Kentucky. That was an amazing team. Accept it, believe it, understand it, and then understand the nature of college basketball, which is that doesn't always do it for you. The talented team doesn't always work for you because they are so young. They are so inconsistent. Injuries happen. And that those all of those things derailed that team last season. If if you saw that team, if that team played in 1989, all of those guys would be juniors and they would be the most devastating team of all time because they'd all stick around, but that's not the nature of basketball at this point. They, you know, you, you come in for your year and you leave. So what we're seeing with this team this season is we're seeing a down college basketball season. Yep. We're seeing a down conference season, but you're still seeing a team 
that would put up comparable numbers in any other season because they are deep, they do shoot well, they have bought into the system. So I absolutely think what this team is doing right now would translate to any other year that we've seen in college basketball. Whatever you want to call the best year college basketball has had, what they're doing right now would translate. And the way I like to phrase this, long-winded version, the team that you saw last year beat Kentucky 118 to 84, no team in college basketball within 50 years is going to beat that team. They're not. So just accept it. And I know there was Duke before Coach K. Nobody's beaten that squad the way they played that night. The team that ended up the season playing Virginia Tech and Michigan State, I think this team right now could beat that team because the teams that did beat that team have a lot of the same pieces and ideology that this team has right now. That's how I'm going to phrase that. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. And I think you set it up perfectly, you know, talking about the down year in college basketball as a whole. It doesn't mean that we're not good this year it, you know, compared to, to other years. It just means that we're actually quite fortunate that, you know, we have the team that we do in a year that, you know, just doesn't have the star power and the depth of teams that we normally see. Uh, for, for instance, last year, there was a ton of really, really good teams last year. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying that's why we lost them. I mean, we lost because we, we we screwed it up at the end. That's just the, the reality of it. Uh, now, having said that, I do think it's an overreaction. That was an overreaction. To say that this team is better than last year's team. And I know that you and I uh, texted offline about this mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days ago. You know, there's nobody on this year's team as good as we are defensively that, could even come close to matching up on either side of RJ and Zion. And just that alone, I think that last year's team probably wins comfortably against this year's team. In I most Trey, instances, but... In, in most cases, again, like, saw, I mean, you're like, right. So we I mean, saw, again, we saw towards the end of the season, we saw teams being able to I pack think, it in. I, I, and yeah, you know, this team absolutely would do that. And one, I want to point out one thing. Last season, we were 317th in the nation given up 488 turnovers and most of those turnovers that that started happening after the Trey Jones injury. So, you know, we have to take what actually happened and not hypothetically. No, no, so absolutely. it happened. And I think you also have to take into the fact that that team, once the shoe thing happened, that was, unfortunately, I, mean, I know we went on to win the ACC tournament, but there were, that was the death knell. It, it, it was, that was the death blow to that team. It, yep. it just, um, the entire mood, I mean, you remember where you were sitting when, when yep. that shoe blew out. Uh, the entire mood in Cameron, the entire electricity just went out. Right. And it kind of took the wind out of the sails of that entire season. That, the tickets for, the, for that game against Carolina last mm-hmm. year were going for more than the Super Bowl. Yep. Like, that's how big Zion Mania and Duke had become. We had beaten, right. you know, UBA already. Uh, and without Trey Jones, uh, we had to do it again. You know, we were able to find ways, um, you know, to, to beat top weight teams. And then that happens. And, you know, we lose, you know, a couple down the stretch. Right. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the, the UNC again, you know, we're completely shorthanded. Then Marquise goes down with an injury in that game. You know, we just were so banged up. And that's, that's one thing that this year's team, you know, knock on wood here, you know, has going for it. I know that Wendell's out with the hand injury. But he'll be back in, in a few weeks. So 
I'm just saying the, de- the depth is so key with this team. How good that team was. Right. The depth is so key. And then also let's point out, yeah, shootgate happened, Trey's injury happened. So you go with what really was the biggest flaw for this team last season, which was thirty one percent from three and sixty seven or sixty nine percent from the free throw line. And once again, like that is that makes a big difference. Like Zion Mania was real because he was so good. RJ was so good. So those guys were so good, but at the same time, they weren't unbeatable and teams finally decided to exploit it, which was make them shoot. Like they saw it against Syracuse and decided to take it to the extreme by just sitting guys completely off of players in the middle of the lane and just packing it in. So Zion one-on-one could not be stopped by anyone on this team. Zion one-on-one cannot be stopped by anyone in college basketball in history. So that's not an indictment on this team. That's that shows how good of a player he actually is. RJ Barrett one-on-one probably can't be stopped by just about anybody in college basketball history. Once again, one of the best players that we've ever had at Duke. So, and you have two of them on the same team. So yes, like absolutely one-on-one, those guys can't be stopped, but this team plays such good defense. Coach K is such a mastermind. Obviously, you'd have him in that scenario. Like, you know, they they could sit back on, on this team if they really needed to, and that's what most teams did. And worse teams than this Duke team we see right now beat that Duke team. And that's the reason why I say the team at the end of the season from last year could be beat by this team that we have this year because this team, what they do, actually does translate no matter how good college basketball is, it translates from year to year to year. Yeah, and you actually brought up something. It's not an indictment on either team. One of my biggest pet peeves is to try to elevate a team by knocking another one down. You know, why can't we just talk about about this argument? Why can't we? Yes, why can't we just talk about how good this team is? We don't have to say exactly. You know what, fellas? I just happen to like them a lot more than last year because we're fifteen and one, and you know, number two, and and that's fine. At at some point, AC, at some point, we're gonna lose, and maybe we lose a couple in a row. Because that's just how, how it works. And then we're, what are we going to be saying then? Now, now then we're going to start attacking the players themselves, attacking the coaching decisions. Well, that's that the made. nature of fanhood. And, and that's just the way it goes, right? But so, you know, I think everybody's the – the one thing I always say in sports, you can't get way too high and you can't get way too low. You mm-hmm. have to have some sort of balance because, mm-hmm. the, you know, when, when, when things are going poorly, you never think that you'll get out of them. Uh, and when things are going great, you almost feel like you're untouchable, but you know it's going to end at some point. So just try to stay in the middle. And you know, I just don't think that you need to knock down last year's team, which were you don't. A rock it's such team. a shame, man. Like again, these kids, yeah, we didn't they get it done. Practice. We didn't get it done. I get that, but right. that doesn't mean because we didn't we get still it got done to an elite eight scenario. We, we were fast. We were up with 30 seconds left. And know? let's I talk mean, about that. So. Let's talk about let's harken back to the old Duke days that we love so much, which we do. But Coach K mentioned it in in the press conference a couple a couple games ago. This is their best decade. So we look at every team in this decade, and and we're Duke fans are very critical of a lot of teams this decade more so than other teams because guys left early, things like that, playing for themselves, you know, whatever fans want to make up and make themselves feel better about. But I mean, that team made it to the Elite Eight. That is an accomplishment. Like, any other, if Greg Paulus's team with Josh McRoberts made it to the Elite Eight, we'd talk about that for 45 years. So, yes, it is a disappointment because the team is so good and so talented and they didn't make it to the title game. But 
it happens in a one and done scenario it happens one and done tournament one and done players it happens like so like you said there's no need to knock down what those guys did last year they played their tails off they really did we were so proud of them in moments and then you know then one thing happens and then all of a sudden all is lost it's it's not fair to those guys it's not fair to what they represent with the university and we see it with fans throughout all of sports you saw it when barry sanders retired and how they treated him you saw it when you know randall cunningham left the eagles and how they treated him in philadelphia for a while and then you know time heals all wounds in 15 years we'll talk about rj barrett as one of the best players of all time at duke like it's fine. But right now we talk about him like, oh, he's a turnover machine who couldn't shoot. Like, shut up. Shut up. He was a first, like, it's he was fine. A first team, he was a first team All-American consensus and actually took one of the, uh, I think it was the Sporting News or whatever it was, uh, Player of the Year. But yep. to kind of wrap it up, it's that team was, was fantastic. In the seven-game series, they beat Michigan State 4-1, four, yep. four I bet. They beat every um, team in the history of college basketball. In the you know, it's, it's, it's just how it went. You know, they were really right. good. Uh, it's why it hurts so much, but you know, yep. I'm not, I'm not going to try to knock them down to elevate this year's team, which is also really good. And right. to finish it and up, Coach K said it best in his last press conference. This team is running their own race. They can't be responsible right. for the streaks. They can't be responsible for the 900 wins in Cameron. That's not their responsibility. Their responsibility is the 35 plus games they're going to play this season, and let it be that. And and that's what we judge them on, and that's fine. And let it be that. And and both of those teams, this year's team and last year's team, were top five in both offense and defense in in Ken Palm. So yep. you know they're they're both amazing teams. You know, Absolutely. not only that we that we stay healthy and, and we can finish mm-hmm. this one off, but to switch gears to our next topic, and I want to pick up off of you know what you just mentioned on Coach K's press conference. Yep on how, you know, this team's running their own race. So we have a game coming up this week on the 14th, 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. against Clemson, a team yep. that, thank you very much, just knocked out uh, <laughs> Roy again. Williams and the Tar Heels. Thanks, fellas. And, you know, Roy Williams goes into that press conference and does the exact opposite uh, of what Coach K, you know, talked about and alluded to. He is all woe is me, my team stank, fire me, just shut up. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Uh, nobody feels bad well, for you. Know I don't feel you. you know what that is. That's that's him going overboard after the reaction of him calling right. his team, you know, telling him basically so saying phony, his team baloney. stinks. It's so phony. Like, come yeah. on, man. Like, uh, nobody's, nobody outside of Chapel Hill uh, and the Tar Hill message boards are, are buying that. That is right. such a load of crap. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, come on, man. Like, you know, you want to call Coach K out for, you know, whatever stuff, you're more than welcome to do that, but this is the most phony act in, in sports. It has been yep. forever. That the, the all shucks, dad, God, like, come on, man. <laughs> dad gum Roy. That's not, you're not, yeah, come on, brother. Like, you're not fooling me, man. You're not fooling right. me. You stink. Your team stinks. <laughs> and I'm glad you stink. And thank you to Clemson yes. for uh, knocking out their, knocking out their street. It was fantastic. I, was, I told you, uh, AC, I was in the Washington Duke end. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it was an hour or two before the game, our own game, and everybody's standing. The NFL playoffs are going on, and they turn every TV now to the end <laughs> of the UMC game, awesome. put the volume up, awesome. uh, and everybody's hugging each other, high fives. Uh, it, it was exciting to behold. It was a lot of electricity 
that was a perfect way to go into to Cameron Indoor last night. But we do have our own game against Clemson. Yep. And this is one, AC, that I know that you have paid earlier when we did our ACC predictions that this could be a potential loss at Clemson for Duke. Do you still feel that way? I do, especially coming off that UNC game. They're going to be super pumped, and now the fans are going to be much more into it than they would have been if they had, say, lost to UNC. Like They, they would have been into it because you have the number two team coming into your gym, and little John is always nuts regardless when you know when Duke shows up they're nuts regardless of how the team is doing but now that is a huge win the streak is broken that's that's momentum that is momentum and that's the type of momentum you need when you're not a great team but you have some talented players or whatever and you know you need something to grasp onto so that, that that's good that's that's good for them it's big for them let's talk about what they do because yes this is a game before the season you have to try to be realistic you have to try to pick out where this team could win or lose duke is going to be favored in every game they play but there are teams that could possibly beat them and this is one scenario where i would not be surprised coming off of a huge win for duke you know a big time win you don't get to learn a lot in a blowout so you know this this next couple of days short turnaround next couple of days is not going to be an easy week of practice for them to prepare for a Clemson team that really is they're consistent, but they're consistently inconsistent. They don't, they don't necessarily shoot the three well, but they hit big shots. They don't shoot from the free throw line very well. And they send teams to the free throw line a lot, but we're not a great free throw shooting team. So if we go to the line a lot, that doesn't necessarily spell greatness for us. They're a good rebounding team. This is going to be one of the first teams we play in a little while. That's going to test us on the boards. They don't have huge guys, but they, all of their guys attack the glass. So that's going to be a key component in this game. And they do turn the ball over, but it's not like they're, you're not, they're not turnover happy like Wake Forest. And they don't get a bunch of a bunch of assists, but they do play their guys one-on-one and set up their guys for, for offensive play. So I don't like the matchup a lot. I really don't. It's yeah, I... it's not your conventional team. It's not your conventional setup. And Brad Brownell is... One thing he does really well is he watches tape really well. And I've heard other people mention this in the past, and you can see it when they play. At the very least, no matter how good or bad his teams have been at Clemson, they've usually been good teams, just a little inconsistent. They are at least prepared, and they are prepared for what you're about to do. So they're going to be ready for Duke when when we show up in in South Carolina. And eh, I this is one of those ones where I kind of see us faltering and it doesn't mean we're a bad team and it doesn't mean the rest of our season is lost. It means that it's a learning moment for us. And I, I, I kind of see us losing this one. Give me a score. I'm thinking it's going to be one of those, those close battles. I don't think it's going to be like 2010 where we lost. What was it like 71 to 47 or whatever it was? Yeah, I think it was brutal. Yeah. It, it's not going to be that it's, it, I, I think we're going to be somewhere around, I think it's gonna be like a seventy-one sixty-seven loss because again we're gonna see free throws make a difference. Yeah, so uh, Clemson, this isn't the biggest game that Clemson's playing this week. You know they're playing LSU in the national championship. Uh, <laughs> I think that all the focus is gonna be there. Uh, if they win or lose that game, there's gonna be some sort of handover for the fans. Um, I mean, granted, to be fair, I guess if they win, they're gonna be so jacked up. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know that'll carry over into into the game on Tuesday night. Their front court should give 
run and carry some problems. However, we can space it out, you know, with right. Joey, with Matthew Hurt. Trey's knocking him down right now. Um, depending on what Alex we get. Uh, Jack, I think we're, we're going to have the spacing that Vern needs to be able to go to work. He's had a couple of games in the last three where, you know, again, he wasn't asked to do much. Uh, but, you know, he only had eight points uh, against Wake in, in 21 minutes. He's going to be refreshed. He's going to be ready to go. I think ever since the the kind of the player of the year talk started, uh, you know, coming up, he just hasn't had like the Vernon Carey games that we've seen, you know, pretty much to that point. I'm not saying that's the reason, but I do think that he's going to bounce back. I think that he's going to have a big game. I think they're going to look at, you know, a, a 19 and, and, and 12 type of game. We need mm-hmm. that from him. Uh, in order to win this game. I think that it will be close. I think it will be tight. Um, but I love Trey Jones, and I love Jordan Goldwire uh, going off against Dawes, who mm-hmm. ha- actually averages more turnovers than he does assists mm-hmm. on the season, and he's there leading the assist line. So I think we're going we're gonna to cause a lot of turnovers. It should help us get out in transition. I think we're going we'll to find a way to win this game. And I think we're going to do it to the tune of 81 to 74. I really hope you're right. It, but that's the thing that bothers me about this team is that they don't rely on the assist to manufacture their points. And that's what gets me. We can create turnovers against them, but it doesn't necessarily, necessarily stop what they do. Some of these other teams we've played, when we create turnovers, it totally shuts down what they do. Let's, you know, let's look at Kansas as an example. But this team in particular... It just it worries me, man. It does. It worries me. All right. Well, we'll see what happens on Tuesday, 97 p.m. And then we switch gears and wrap this podcast up with our big time game. ESPN game day will be there. That's a big one. At Hammond Indoor Stadium, 6 p.m. against Louisville. Louisville is 13 and three. Uh, They've kind of fluctuated in the rankings throughout the year, you know, as high as one. And now they're at 13. You're not going to see that all year long. Um, they did just have a, a really nice comeback win at Notre Dame. Uh, mm-hmm. They played Miami right after we did and, and, and you know, took care of them 74 to 58. Obviously, they have that one loss in conference to Florida State. What do you like in this matchup? This matchup scares me a little bit more uh, from the standpoint that this is the one that will miss Wendell more than most to this point. Yeah, the Wendell Moore injury is definitely it stands out in this particular matchup because against someone like Jordan Wara, you need a Wendell Moore. You need a guy with size and strength to to play that position. Louisville gives up the three really well, so we can we can find our three point shots, but they also shoot really well. We're a good three point percentage defense, so one of those things is going to have to give. They still turn the ball over, and that's where I like our particular matchup i like what we do in the turnover game this game much better than i do the clemson game because if you can turn this over turn them over it totally disrupts what they like to do so i think that's what we're gonna see out of our team in particular is we're gonna turn them over and we're gonna rebound like they're they're a good rebounding team this game and clemson game are both two games that are going to test our rebounding ability so that's going to be a tough but the turnovers are what's going to hold sway and i think that's what helps us push over. Ryan McMahon's a good shooter. We got to take care of him. Noara, they've proved that you can let Noara score 30 points and they can still lose a game. Right. So we really have to take away the other guys. And I think we can take away the other guys. So this one, 
I don't see this one being particularly close. Not a huge blowout, but 80 to 65. Yeah, I think the turnovers have to be the the, the key point in this one. Um, hopefully, we can do the same thing to Nora uh, that we did to Childress uh, the other night. I understand that Nora's, you know, that guy is the preseason player of the year in the ACC. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly not the same. I'm not even going to try to make it uh, like it is. However, we have the defensive ability to, to hopefully shut him down. But I do think, you know, Clark I think we see Goldwire on him, quite honestly. I, I, yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all to see him. Uh, it wouldn't shock me at all to see uh, Jack White on there, Cassius. I think they're going to they're gonna throw a lot of different bodies at him. We mm-hmm. have to keep them off the three-point line, though. I think that that's really the key. Yeah. Not only does he shoot 44% from three, um, McMahon does as well. They have some, some capable uh, three-point shooters. So, yep. You know, it's going to be a tough game. The atmosphere should be electric. Uh, it always is when game day is there, even though I don't watch game day anymore. <laughs> um, it should be fun. And it, should, it should be, uh, uh, you know, a strong test for this group. But we seem to get up for those big tests. So yep. I like Duke in this one as well. Give me Duke 82, Louisville 76. I think it's going to be a little closer. Okay. Uh, but it, it should be a good game either way. Hey, you know, Duke is continuing to roll, AC. We are mm-hmm. rolling. We're 5-0 and in the conference. we got two big games this week. And I don't know. I'm not sure who you're pulling for tomorrow night. Are you going for the Tigers or the Tigers tomorrow night? <laughs> well, the Tigers are going to win. I'm going for Clemson just because I have, I have a year-long who's going to win the national title in 2020 bet with uh over at charlestown races and slots so i'm hoping that that uh i'm hoping that 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 generates some revenue for me there so i'm going clemson tigers then all right very very good so uh, i really couldn't care less who wins that game hopefully yep. it's just a, a fun one to watch uh either way this is a two podcast we like where we're sitting go mm-hmm. do go do thank you for tuning in to the five point play podcast the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at five point play podcast. That's the number five point play podcast. And on Twitter, five point play podcast. Go Duke.